Greetings and welcome to another episode of Good Gas Mondays with me, Crystal Tomlinson. It is a pleasure to have you. Thank you for catching this episode. And if you're a subscriber, thank you again for subscribing. And if you're not, I'm encouraging you to subscribe so you get those notifications when we have brand new Good Gas Positive Fuel for you. Now, the goal is to make sure you have one of these episodes hitting your phone every single week so that you can meet that need and that desire to refuel psychologically, emotionally, mentally for what is likely to be a challenging set of days because no days are cumulatively easy. There is always some challenge to which we are expected to rise. And I'm hoping that this podcast can be part of that rising tide for you as you make it through the hills and valleys of life. Now, today we're talking about a very important um, issue. It's something that we can all relate to because we all have or know whether or not we have had um, an encounter with these kinds of people. It's about friends. Once you've had a friend, you know you've had a friend. And if you've never had a friend, I'm going to help you to identify um, whether or not you've had one because probably you're not characterizing them properly. But more importantly, If you need friendships, strategies that you can put in place right here, right now to help deepen those kinds of relationships. So thank you again for tuning in and we're going to jump right in in this conversation on friendships. So let's first start with what science has been telling us about friends. Over the last few decades, we've seen a significant difference in the ability of individuals to identify their friends or friendships. Comparatively, my mother's generation and even as far back as my grandmother's generation, when you ask them to identify their friends, they were more likely to identify three to five persons as friends. And in our generation, where Facebook tells us you have 5,000 friends, you can't get any more, we are less able to identify five, three, or even one. So in a space where we are very, very friendly, yes, communicating with strangers from across the world and being able to jump into the lives, bedrooms, kitchens, cars and gyms of other people, the ability to identify a true friend is significantly crippled. What could account for that? What is it that we're not giving or getting from our emotional um, human connections that my mother and grandparents were able to get? I want to go through some of those with you, of course, rooted in what sociologists have found over the last few years and see if there is any truth in that for you that you can apply to renegotiating, rekindling or developing perhaps for the first time true and meaningful friendships. Now, there are three pillars that they found to be the the root and crux of friendships. If it's going to hold up a friendship, you need these three pillars. Zimit et al, as far back as 1988, helped to identify these pillars. And the first is that there's a special person around when I'm in need. That is a core component. You must feel as though there's a special person around when you're in need. And literally what that means is that there's someone you can turn to. They don't have to be able to fulfill that need, but you are absolutely sure that if you just need to talk through a problem, if there is some support that you need um, in just deliberating and coming to a decision, there's somebody you can turn to in that time of need. And so it's important that we be able to identify at least that checkbox as we are assessing the nature and quality of our friendships. 
The second thing is I can confide in someone. And that's important because you want to be able to show some measure of vulnerability. So is there somebody in whom you feel you can confide and tell them the truth about who you are, what you need, what you're suffering through, where you need some kind of support and honestly feel that they will hold in confidence your truth. There is no perfect relationship, but in a true friendship, one thing that you can do is trust that you can share your deep secrets, your fears, your insecurities, and know with absolute confidence that this person will hold in confidence your truth and your vulnerability. So let's look a little bit deeper now at this question of confidence in friendships. There are no meaningful and lasting relationships without trust. And that's a truth. That's a truth. Your ability to have a relationship with even the government relies on this question of trust. Do I trust that when I pay my taxes, the roads will be kept clean and the streets like street lights will be on? In the absence of the trust that your tax will convert into benefit, you'll find that less and less people pay taxes. So no matter how distant the relationship and no matter the nature of it, be it personal or business, it flourishes solely on the fact that we trust that A will equal to B. So your friendships are no different. And this question of confidence and being able to confide and undress and remove masks in front of one person or two persons relies on this question of, do I trust you? Now, it's difficult for you to say you have a friend who you really can't trust and you will know if you can trust them, if you're telling them half of the truth when you seek advice, if you expose them to parts of your life and hide other parts from them because you don't know if they'll say something to somebody else in an unflattering light. It's important that when your friends are away from you and even if they are amidst people who aren't friends of yours, you know with absolute certainty that they will speak charitably of you and reprimand anybody who speaks uncharitably of you. That's the, the nature of trust. In, in the presence of our friends, we feel comfortable. And even as our friends are in the presence of non-friends, we still feel comfortable. So do you trust the person or persons that you call friends? Are you able to tell them the truth about how you really feel if you're depressed or if you're happy, if you're anxious or fearful? Are you able to expose them to those not so pristine parts of your life that really need some cleaning up and perhaps they have the ability to help you clean it? Do you believe that if they see the worst parts of you and hear the terrible moments in your life journey, they'll still respect and support you? That is the measure that you can use to determine if you have someone you can confide in. If you're able to take off those masks and stop pretending and reveal your true self and your weaknesses, then it's a sign that you have someone that you can confide in. The third pillar is I can count on someone when things go wrong. And let me just explore this one in, in a very geographic sense because this is how I usually contextualize it when I'm talking about being able to count on somebody when something goes wrong. 
first of all, it's a little different from having somebody to turn to when you're in need. Because there are times when you just need an ear. You need somebody who will stop what they're doing and listen actively to you and just make you feel in the moment that you are priority. You are number one. You are the only thing that matters because now you need me to listen or now you need me to stand beside you or now you need me to say something on your behalf and I will do that for you. Having someone that you can turn to, lean on in your time of need. But that's separate from knowing that you can count on the person. When you say you're counting on somebody, it means that you are depending on them to do a thing. You're depending on them to deliver a result for you. I'm going to use the example that gives geographical context to what I'm talking about. So I live in Jamaica and Jamaica is divided into 14 parishes. That division is very similar um, to how the United States has divided its states. Uh, the, the difference clearly is that the population is not as um, dense. We, we don't have that many people living in each parish. And two, the legal structure is not the same. So we don't have state laws separate from federal law. It's one law for all parishes. But they're divided into 14 parishes. And the, the easternmost point in Jamaica would be St. Thomas. The westernmost point would be West Maland. When I consider whether I have a friend or not that I can count on, one of my favorite examples is, should I be in Westmoreland and my car breaks down, even if I have roadside assistance, my car breaks down in Westmoreland. Is there anybody who I know, if they, even if they live in St. Thomas, which is way over the eastern side, they will get up out the bed at 2 or 3 a.m. in the morning, jump in their car and show up for me. Do I have that one person? Because it doesn't even have to be two. If you can find one person who no matter how inconvenient, how far away, how inopportune the moment and the request, you can count on them to show up, to leave where they are and show up for you. If you have that one person, you have a friend. Again, it doesn't need to be two or three. And perhaps I may never call on the friend to do that because I do have roadside assistance. But the idea here is you can think of one person, hands down, without a doubt, no matter the distance and the difficulty and the time of day, they will show up for you. Do you have that? Are your friends showing up as a matter of convenience to them? Is it that showing up for you doesn't require any great sacrifice and so they keep showing up because they're already there? It requires no real deliberation and effort and giving up of something that they would rather have so you can have it. That is the third and final pillar on which we design this trifecta um, approach or analysis on friendships. So. One, is there a special person that you can turn to when you're in need? Two, do you have somebody that you can confide in? And three, do you have someone who you can count on when things go wrong? Again, even if you only have one, don't feel bad. Because psychologically, it's going to be difficult for you to express vulnerability and confide in six, seven, eight, nine, ten persons. So it's not about the size of the circle. It's do you at least have a line? Your point A and their point B. You may not have a full round circle, but do you at least have one other person outside of those familial and blood relationships who you can consider a friend based on these three criteria? Because 
it's really a matter of life and death. And so let's go back into the research to see what has been found. In 1966, as early as 1966, Ochino et al. found that there were lower levels of the stress hormone cortisol in persons who reported strong social support and connections. Now, those, those connections that we talk about aren't just friendships. They will include a range of social connections, your intimate partner, your relationship with co-workers and friends and, and your children. All of those things form a measure of strengthening our social connections. And so they're all important. But what's critical here is that friendships are a part of that matrix. And so you definitely need strong social connections with friends to fall into this group of persons who have those those bonds. So the stress hormone cortisol is less prevalent in the bloodstream of persons who have strong social connections. So are you stressing yourself out because you don't have anybody that you can turn to? Are you stressing yourself out because there's no one you can confide in? Are you stressing yourself out because there's nobody you can count on to show up for you? It's a very real issue where people feel alone, where people feel that there is no social support, the cortisol in their blood will rise. The other element of research comes from Berkman and Syme in 1979. Those who reported weak social support were up to three times more likely to die. So when I say it's a matter of life and death, it's not just about the quality of life and the amount of stress that your body undergoes in the absence of strong social bonds. It's a question of how long you're going to live because you're three times more likely, according to the research, to die if you can't identify strong social bonds and and then of course let's look at what you can do now since we have broken down all these components of friends and friendships and the benefits to your body to your well-being to your life what can you do now is there any Thing, any action that you can take to deepen existing bonds, converting them from associations to friendships or to broker new relationships and build friendships where they don't exist now. Absolutely. Now, remember, we spoke about confidence and vulnerability. So let's talk about people who don't have any friends. You've gone through the list and you could probably find one person who meets one criterion, but certainly nobody who meets all three or the minimum of two. What do you do now to build a friendship? Start with trust. Start with vulnerability. Find a person who you believe deeply that you can trust and confide in and test the boundaries. Start to tell them some hard truths about you that people don't yet know and see if you can trust them to keep that in confidence and then to show you some kind of compassion where they're suffering with you and actively taking steps to help you heal and feel better. If they respond to your vulnerability, if they respond to your openness and your candid sharing of your pain and your experience, it's usually a sign that you can share more, one, and that they too will share with you. And so you can gauge their response, not just from their, their going, mm, ah, really, tell me more, but how much they reciprocate that kind of information sharing, giving you two vulnerable pieces of them to hold in confidence. That's the, the, the basis on which you can begin to design true, authentic, strong social bonds and connections through vulnerability and those expressions of trust. Give people an in 
to support you, give people an opportunity to meet a need that you might have by opening up, taking off the cape, taking off the mask, putting your defenses down and just being a human being who needs another human being. So I'm encouraging that as your first bit of action. If you don't have a friend and you're trying to build friendships, look around you to see who has been kind to you in moments when you can't return kindness to them. That is an authentic show of caring and support. Do you want to build a friendship with that person? Then let them know where your vulnerabilities are so they can support and help to build you up. But let's say you do have some friends or, you know, you've disconnected from them over time or there's a, a, a potential for something that is an association to really become a friendship if you take a particular action or if that person takes a particular action. What can you do now? I would say get verbing on this thing called gratitude. There are people we've encountered in our lifetime who've done exceedingly great things for us because we've asked or because they see us in need. They have been friends to us in former lives, perhaps when we were in high school or in college or early in our young adulthood. And, you know, time or distance or convenience has made it difficult for us to really engage them in the friendship and to verb out the gratitude, show them the gratitude as opposed to just saying, hmm, this person was so nice to me. I remember when we were besties. I remember when I could call and we spoke for hours. That's good. That means you have the foundations of a friendship. Do something to rekindle that. Do something to re-engage and to reclaim that sacred friendship, that sacred social bond. Remember, your life depends on it. That person too might be missing you. And it's interesting because I shared this particular challenge or charge with um, my, my, my social network via Instagram. And I got a couple of emails back. One person shared with me that she had a really, really good friend on whom she could count no matter what the circumstances. She confided religiously in this person and they continued to show up for her. And they now moved into separate countries and the relationship naturally deteriorated because of no communication between the two. And after hearing this charge to rekindle the friendship, I think they sent an email or some note on Facebook and got back the most heartfelt response from that friend who happened to be in immediate need as they spoke over email, as they spoke through messaging. That person needed a friend and the timing was absolutely perfect. The person responded to say, in this moment, I need somebody. And the fact that you have reached out to me feels like a sign that I'm not alone and that I have friends. And they hadn't spoken for quite a long time. And just like that, the old circuits and pathways of trust and confidence were again highlighted and rekindled and they're now walking that path of friendship so it can happen over distance and it can be rekindled no matter the length of time if you have the foundations of friendship you can continue to build on that so who is that friend who you know you can always count on and turn to and confide in who you haven't been giving back enough to you haven't been pouring into them you haven't been communicating decide today that you will the challenge for you this week, your bit of good gas is to pour good gas into those relationships. Give them a call, send them an email, pop up at their office with a gift, invite them to lunch, go do a bestie mani pedi, wax your brows, get your hair done. What can you do? 
have drinks with the boys at the bar. What can you do to re-engage that foundation of friendships? Because they're hard to form. Based on the three tenets that I, ident- that I had identified earlier, it's not an easy thing. It's not an effortless thing. And it's not something to be taken for granted that you find somebody who you can really confide in and count on. That person who will drive from West Milan to St. Thomas or St. Thomas to West Milan to show up for you. Let's not take those things for granted. And where we find them in our lives, let us not forget to show them the appreciation that they deserve. Because a friend in Jamaica, as we say, is better than pocket coin. Translation, friends are better than even money. You can't buy them, so don't take them for granted. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Good Gas Mondays. I really hope this has fed into your spirit and offers some real meaning and value to your life today. It is up to you to convert what you know into action because it's not knowledge that makes you great. It's the practice of that knowledge in your daily life that improves those relationships and stimulates a sense of confidence and proof that you not only know what to do, but you do what to do. Take good care until we meet again. Love and blessings.